0: Scaling brands need influencer content, but the best brands have influencer communities, which provide a constant stream of high converting social content to test in your ads week in and week out. Access Aspire IQ's more than 6 million creators and influencers and start building your brand's influencer community today. Find out why Forrester recognized Aspire IQ as a leader in influencer marketing solutions. there's never been a better time to be a direct to consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC podcast. Hello and welcome to all killer no filler. It is Friday. I'm Eric Dick and I am here with another fine selection of the Pilot House Brain Trust to talk about the state of play in the D2C landscape as it relates uh, to sales, uh, to brands coming on to agencies, how they can possibly get the best result from any agency they work with, whether it's us or anyone else. Uh, today, we brought our head of partnerships, Dan Norcia. Welcome back. A little absence from the podcast. It's been a while. Uh, we've got Kyle Hitchcock, of co- of course, co-founder of Pilot House, and we have onboarding manager Megan Williams making her very first appearance on all killer, no filler. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. How are we doing? Wonderful, wonderful on this Friday. Let's start with an overview of what's going. What like so, Dan? I, you preface this by saying over this past year, you've just been in this dead run meeting close over a thousand. Let's call it you over a thousand D 2 C brands over the course of this year. Just your calendar is just jam packed. Meeting D 2 C brands, figuring out whether they're a fit with the agency or not. Can you give me your high level thoughts on sort of what's happening in the D 2 C space?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, it, it's very interesting what is going on. Uh, and it's, it's actually really, really cool. Um, and I think COVID accelerated a lot of this. Uh, I think you know, Shopify's report basically saying that every single day in the last year has generated more sales than Black Friday the year previous is, is pretty telling of the, the gold rush that we are currently in. Uh, and I think it's signaling kind of a sea change in terms of who is best equipped to really benefit from this situation. Um, and I think what's happening is big direct-to-consumer brands that typically sell in retail, uh, you know, like, I don't want to mention any names, but like CPG, top 50s, you know, like uh, Procter and Gamble. Um, Johnson
0: Johnson, Unilever, these guys, yeah.
1: Pepsi, Coca-Cola, you know, Doritos, companies like this, they're, they are not as well equipped to deal with this as upstart direct-to-consumer brands that are digitally native. Uh, and what we're seeing is these bigger agencies are starting to identify that they are missing out on a big opportunity in direct-to-consumer, and they are trying to shift towards that mentality. Um, the really interesting thing is that it's a little bit like trying to turn a cruise ship or an oil tanker versus riding on a jet ski, right? Like it, you needed to turn a mile ago if you wanted to be in the right place now. And so these digitally native brands who are spinning up as direct consumer uh, are really, really well positioned to scale incredibly quickly uh, right now
0: and with uh you know with covid happening with the with the pandemic you know that idea of, of uh turning a ship very quickly really got put to the test where uh you know t- the the phrase we always say is uh, 10 uh, e-commerce grew 10 years in 10 months uh and so the, that ability to 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 pivot strategies quickly um has been been pivotal and what what I've been interested because I know we you know as an agent we've been we've been in talks with some of these these larger companies um And it's interesting to hear about the ways that internally they manage that exact challenge, right? Where, where you've got, you've got, you know, these big companies where coming up with new innovative ways to actually get products to market that maybe go outside of their traditional systems in ways that mimic these upstart D2C brands. Can you talk to that at all, Norcia?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I think, I think you're right, right? Like listen, when we're talking about companies that have market caps of, many, many, many billions of dollars, like, it's an issue that they can throw money at in order to try to solve it. But again, like, it has a lot to do with mentality. I think Um, there is a traditional agency mentality, which is not DR focused, which is more branded, which is more focused on Vanity metrics like views and clicks and things like that
0: brand lift dr direct response just for everyone listening that's that's what we mean here as 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 a performance marketing agency, we are always focused on on direct response driving sales uh, with with each with each impression.
1: Yeah, and I think um, I, I think. Companies and agencies that are focused on those vanity metrics are no longer seeing the same kind of success that they once were because so
2: much commerce is moving to direct consumer. And so there's another there's another component there sort sort of jump in, but like the 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 big agencies, the the kind of like the new old way, like obviously there's print, but online, like these these buzzwords like DSP or programmatic or Uh, all these all these kind of like these platforms like it's 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 just a bunch of smoke and mirrors for the most part and when they're measuring things like brand lift or awareness or engagement or uh, clicks or 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 uh, view time on site like all these things they they built their businesses around that and now brands are catching on that's like why aren't you measuring purchases? Like, why are you not contributing to my bottom line? It just doesn't—it just doesn't add up anymore. And so, there there is this shift, kind of, to support what what Norcia is saying in terms of visibility on those platforms. Also, people are aware that those platforms or the way that you know data is presented in spreadsheets is is um, not transparent. It is—it is smoke and mirrors. And I think that there's a lot of awareness coming coming to that, which is good. It's good for us. Interesting. Yeah, I think one one just to, to jump on there as well, Kyle, is um,
1: when you are buying for views and clicks, uh, you're not actually teaching Facebook what it needs to learn in order for you to drive sales, right? Uh, that is why, as an agency, we have a saying which is conversion always. So all of our buying strategies and techniques are geared towards actually selling product. Whereas, so for example, right, if you're teaching face, Facebook is not a nonprofit organization, Facebook. Really? wants, to
2: drive, Yeah.
1: Facebook wants to drive revenue, right. Just like all of our clients. So in order to drive revenue, the way that Facebook does that is they optimize campaigns for what they are getting paid to do. If you are paying Facebook to drive views and clicks and not conversions, They are going to go out and find people that will view and click on your ads, but won't actually buy your product. If you are training Facebook to find people that actually purchase your product, that's where the win is, right? Because they have, they collect billions of data points every hour and they have so much intelligence and so much machine learning that they're able to tell you, like they know exactly who is going to buy your product. Exactly. So by... By teaching Facebook the wrong things, you're running into issues where like legacy accounts, it's really hard to retrain the the algorithm. Like sometimes we have to build an entirely new account for for clients because they've been focusing on clicks and vanity metrics that aren't actually driving sales.
0: Is that a common thing at this point? Because it's funny. Like you're speaking, you know, I've come from this performance marketing world for ten years now. Um, it, it actually kind of blows my mind. Like that, we do come across brands that are still really optimizing towards you know non-conversion metrics. Yes. Wow. <laughs> That, that is amazing in, in this world. So I, th- I think, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners were kind of preaching to the choir a little bit about this, but I think it's interesting to talk about the the, the the playing field that everyone's on now. So you do have these huge, huge brands competing with upstart brands, competing with mom and pop shops, all on these digital social platforms, whether it's Google or Facebook or Snapchat. So, you know, and, and I can't imagine these big companies, they are they are hard to pivot. They're hard to turn around, but they're not going to be in the dark forever, you know, and and I'm sure there there's they, they would you know would, would argue with a lot of this. I'm sure there's a lot of innovation happening at those companies as well. Um, but like, what do you what do you make of the next like 10 years in terms of of this idea of convergence? Like, are is it it's just going to get more and more competitive as these bigger brands get more and more savvy? Would you agree with that? Yeah,
2: I, I would. Kyle, I see you want to jump in here. I'm going to let you take it. No, we unmuted at the same time. It was, it was even thing. Um, here's what's going to happen, in, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not an economist, though. So <laughs> uh, platform costs will rise. There will continually be startups. There will continue to be new platforms. And DR companies or startups will always race to the less expensive ones. And as the other platforms mature, the brands will, will be there. Um, there will be ongoing acquisitions of smaller startups and or there will be there will be companies, you know, the ones that we talked about, they will be trying to start their own digitally native products, but they're still going to lean on their retail distribution. Then there'll be other Amazons that pop up that add more distribution. Companies will, uh, will, will shift their business models to copy other business models. You're seeing that with Facebook launching their own uh, Instagram stores and Facebook stores to compete with Shopify. Shopify is building out... A fulfillment networks in order for them to compete with Amazon. And this will just keep happening again and again and again and again. Um, Amazon, what this means
1: Amazon's creating its own airline. Is that true? Amazon, Amazon is
2: going to be a pharmacy. Like they're, they're, they won. Like they won.
1: <laughs> um, they're going to build their own airline. And then the next thing they're going to do, I think, is go into like oil and gas supply chain so that they can fuel their aircraft in order to fulfill their orders.
0: That's a pretty good example
2: of convergence. They will integrate the world for sure. And then Elon and Bezos are going to have space wars. And then Trump's going to go for re-election, and he's going to he's going to try to he's going to try to nationalize the starships.
0: Wow, you've heard it here first, folks. We have quite a sprawling <laughs> prediction that just rolled out here. Megan, what, do you have anything, I see you unmuted yourself. What what would you like to add?
3: I just like this vision of the future that Kyle's painting. with space wars. That's great. Where do it's... we fit into
2: that, Kyle? Where's pilot house? <laughs> we'll get We will be food for the rich.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll help promote their products uh, and then we'll eventually become food. But for now, we're a thriving agency looking for DTC brands to uh, you know, to join on. I, I, I was curious, like what do we look? I know, Megan, you're in onboarding. Uh Norcia, you're having these thousands of conversations with, with D2C brands on the regular. Like what are the key elements that we're looking for in D2C brand to come on and work with us in a way that we can be confident that we're going to be able to achieve excellent results for them? Kyle, I see can you're I re-
2: uh... Can I we re- spin that? Can I can we ask Megan a point question here actually?
0: Sure. Megan, which which
2: types of clients are are the ones that succeed? And why do you think that is?
3: Yeah, I think um, their willingness to take risk is super important um, because if we have clients that come in that aren't willing to take that leap of faith with us, it's just not going to work. So I think they have to be ultimately risk takers. They also have to have a, a lot of trust in us too. And. Um, And I think those are the most important things, honestly. Obviously, we have a whole bunch of work that we do behind the scenes in terms of like auditing their accounts and and looking at their business and stuff like that. But it really comes down to personality, which is why Kyle always preaches like gut check is so important with clients. And I I really think it is.
0: Which is your gut feeling on, on that client.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: That's really interesting. Okay. Can you give, can you give any practical examples of what that trust actually looks like in a relationship? Is it, is it a willingness to, um, you know, uh, take a lower RO, you know, ROAS target in the beginning so that we can work on longer term, you know, more deeply integrated sales? Like what, what does that actually look like when we're asking for trust?
3: Yeah, I think it, it's just hard to to pivot. It's hard to do something different um, there's a, there's an amount of discomfort that comes at the beginning of the process, I think, that we see the most in onboarding, um, where the client is becoming acclimatized to the pilot house way of doing things, um, and so they have to be comfortable with that, and we do our best to make them comfortable, but they have to be willing to take a certain amount of risk and also to do things differently than they've done in the past, um, and some clients get this really quickly, and others it takes some time.
0: Interesting and do what specifically we're talking we're talking about, I imagine it has to do with our iteration and our creative and our ability to let the data tell the story.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So pilot house has like a proven method that works um, that we kind of run them through um, the secret sauce. uh, and uh, You know, have to kind of trust that process i don't know how deep you want to go into that process like exactly what we do um but yeah they might not see exactly the results that they're expecting right from the beginning it might look a little bit different than like a you know a traditional marketing agency um especially if they're old school um i feel like there's a little bit of education that has to happen at the beginning and like what they're going to expect what they can see Uh, how we operate, we're pretty casual, we like to communicate via Slack, things like that. Like some clients just, it's a, there's a learning curve there for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think, just to jump in quickly, Megan, thank you, I think some of that has to do with setting the tone for alignment early, uh, like in the exploratory calls and during the exploration of a partnership process. I think you're right in a lot of ways. Like, I think it does take a a bit of a, I don't want to say leap of faith, but it does take a willingness to do things differently. Um, And I think that that comes through in a lot of ways, right? Like the way that we test and run creative, the way that we have, you know, many, many, many different angles that we use. And we've got our creative iteration speed. That's really, really fast. And like, You know, some of our clients are not used to getting 20, 30 pieces of creative a week. They're used to getting 20, 30 pieces of creative a month from one agency, and then they have to give it to another agency to run media buying. And by that time that happens, we're already on our second set of creative learning from what we already bought against, right? So um, I think speed is also incredibly important and an appetite for scale because we want to take over the world
0: with every brand that we run, we want to, and that's, and that's really our dream, right? Is to take those brands from spending five figures a month or spending six figures a month uh, and really getting them up, up a couple zeros. That's, that's really what, what we are looking for in these brands. So it doesn't always mean that we're always working with only the biggest brands. I imagine there's opportunities, you know, for brands that may not be as mature, but, but present a a huge, you know, upside that get us excited. I
2: I was going to say on the flip side, there's, a bunch of smaller, tighter, kind of direct response focused people. Like this is the convergence we're talking about that work excellent with us, right? Because they're like, smash it, go for it, scale it. I got money. My product's great. You guys like totally get it. Finally, someone moves as fast as I do. That's the other side of the convergence, right? They're partners with us, and it get, it works with us because. We came from that that one one third of this convergence. The other convergence portion, if there was a, like a Venn diagram, is like this this huge conglomerate thing going on. And then there's these upstart startup companies that are coming into it. And that's the mashup, right? So it just depends where you are in that Venn diagram. Yeah. And how your organization or like jet ski, speedboat, sailboat. Freightliner, whatever that metaphorical boat is, uh, can work well with other boats. Maybe you need a tugboat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of boat metaphors here. You mentioned, you mentioned alignment, and I think that's really worth diving into because there's a lot of things going on here. You've got, you've got, you, you, they've got to be able to trust us. They've got to be able to take some risks and they also, you know, the clients that we're going to work best with are ones that we're able to, to, to integrate with as, as deeply as possible. Um, and, and really find that alignment. Can you speak a little bit to how we find alignment with the D2C brands that we work with?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think um, sort of the, the first component of that is the pilot house model. Uh, I'm not sure how much that has been discussed in D2C. Um, most of the folks that uh, I chat with that have been referred from D2C actually are, are relatively unfamiliar with it. So um, just to kind of quickly give broad strokes. We have two components to billing. One is a retainer and one is a performance incentive. Uh, And so the way that we align with our clients is making sure that everybody profits on the performance incentive. That is like the number one key. Uh, And the retainer is basically a staffing cost, right? So uh, at the end of the day, our clients know that we have skin in the game. They know that the only way that we profit as an agency is if we drive results to them. And from our side, that really creates that alignment where it's a shared win, right? Like the goal here is to generate an uplift in revenue or create uh, ancillary additional revenue streams, and then share in those wins with the client. Uh, and that's that's really how we sort of look at alignment, um, because ultimately alignment is many things, right? It's financial, it is uh, you know personal, it is service-based, it is, you know, what kind of creative they want, how we can figure out what those creative, uh, guidelines are and where the, where the bumpers on the, on the bowling lane are for where we have to stay. We like to say on early, uh, chats, we have a scale of brand to scrappy. Where do you fall? Uh, and that really sets the tone for how we can align on creative, Right. There's also an alignment on messaging, there's an alignment on text, there's alignment on landing pages. So it's it's really about making sure that we and the client are facing in the same direction at the same time and everyone's going the same, going to the same place. One last quick thing about that, this is a, a story my dad has told me multiple times is, if you are in a plane in San Francisco and you take off and fly to New York, right? That's great, that's like a five hour trip. If you turn south three degrees, when you take off, you will land in Atlanta. So, small misalignments at the beginning of a relationship can create massive rifts later on. And that's why we're so over communicative. And that's why we talk about alignment so much with our clients is we wanna wanna make sure we all land in New York. Atlanta
2: does have great rap though.
1: (laughs) True. Second, it's like one of the biggest international airports.
0: So I would say too. Like I've heard so many stories of agencies who who build brands up, and they 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 you know they really they put in a lot of work, and and they end up you know they build a brand to a certain level, and then the brand will leave essentially, and and all of that 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 is lost kind of. But but I feel like when what our goal is to make the deal so aligned in such a way that you're going to be making so much money based on what you've agreed to. Uh, that you're not going to notice that you're also paying us a lot of money, uh, because you're because you're so focused on the results we're delivering, which are you know we're over delivering on, on on what we promise. And so I think that's what that's what's amazing. Like you know our clients tend to stay. Like we have a very I feel like we have a very high retention rate on clients, and I feel like that's because we get that alignment right in the beginning. Would you agree with that, Hitchcocks?
2: We do our best. Obviously, there's missteps, and I think we're getting better. Um, I think we're getting a lot better. But yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like our whole model is to make our clients money so that our staff can level up. Like that's 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 the alignment for me. It's like my job is to level up our partner and 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 the staff that, that are working on those partner accounts. And so that's the trick, is just it's just helping everyone realize realize that. But back to the convergence thing, guys, like Megan, I'm curious talking about because you've you've really you really helped us kind of kind of navigate these different types of clients, and you've seen them all, um, and you've and you've helped you know Norsia and I uh, get get them aligned to, to these ideas. Um, how how would you describe like the different challenges for each of those kind of categories? You know, the 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 big the big conglomerates, you know, the the young and scrappy, and then like the the digitally native. You know polished groups like how, how would how would you break out their their challenges or, or opportunities differently i'm curious
3: yeah um i would i would say with the the bigger companies that are very focused on branding um they come with their own challenges i'd say they are more risk adverse and they're very married to their brand and they've invested a lot in their brand so some of our more out there creatives might not be suited to their palette um which is kind of what we thrive on like like norcia said like how scrappy are you you know like you can do quite well if you're comfortable with that level of scrappiness that we're we can we can do really well um but i still think there's room for branding alongside performance marketing like i don't think you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. like i i see people always talk about them like as if they're like opposites as if one think... undoes the other
0: like if you have a beautifully branded youtube creator or whatever and all of a sudden you see one that's not as beautiful it's it's going to somehow detract from from that one
3: yeah like i think you can learn a lot from performance marketing that will inform your brand if you're open to it so like i said like it, a lot of it comes down to personality so like how willing are you to change How willing are you to take risk and try different things different from how you've done in the past? So I'd say with these bigger companies where they have this built out brand, it can be a challenge if it's if it's not a personality fit. But if they're open to learning from how we do things and like marrying the two and kind of taking the best of both worlds, you can have something really, really powerful there, which I feel like we're starting to see a little bit right now, actually. Um, And then I'd say with like the scrappier startups and stuff, Oh, they're just more, I guess I'd say on in general, and this is generalizing, but I'd say they're just a little bit more flighty because they are so used to that kind of scrappy, like toss it out if it's not working and then like move on. Like they're just so quick.
0: Mm. They're like
3: on the opposite end of the spectrum from from like a, a branded big company. Like they're just going to be like, OK, if it's not working the first month, we're out like they're just very quick. Um, And that can almost be like too reactionary. So you do kind of have to have a little bit of trust in our process and say, okay, you know, we are aligned. We're working towards the same goal. Stick with us. Like this is going to work. Like you can't just dump it out right away. So it's kind of on the opposite end, but I still think like, you know, we have a great team and we show results really quickly. Like Norcia said, we work really, really quickly. Like the velocity of our like creative production, our page production, all the testing we do.
0: We force the issue. We force the issue in a way, right? We don't sit back. I've, I've just heard so many stories of agencies that sort of sit on their laurels. They're like, well, I already tested some creative this week. Like, I did that. I, You know, I, I did this, knocked this off. But, like, we I, that's the one thing I, I see again and again is we force the issue. We, we will iterate uh, until we find those cr- those cracks of daylight and then, you know, go ham on those.
2: We have, we have a client
0: right now where we're building 25 pieces of creative a day for them. What? <laughs> For a purpose, for and, and it's working. It's driving. It's driving the conversion rates up. It's you know. It's actually. It's not just spinning wheels. Very I think there's
2: um there's a uh, Megan Megan Will said. There's this. It's just it's funny because we are absorbing all all these groups and this con, this like, this conversation of conversions and all their needs are the same. They're all like we want sales, but organizationally they just operate in such different ways, and breaking down like it's like they're almost like for the big big stuff we're like try to like break down their process and and teach them and educate them on this idea of how this works right yes your brand is very important and yes our creatives can be brand safe and scrappy and we can make a lot of them well how does that work with our legal team right we'll help you do that that's great we're down on the other side it's like just make whatever you want smash it up see if it works and it's like like anything and they're like anything i don't care and it's like whoa dude that's and i'm like they like send me stuff like, man that's gonna get your ad account shut down (laughs) (laughs) we can't run that and then (laughs) there's another side where it's like this is my brand and this is this is like this is the vision and like all this like yeah and it's like i got funding and it's like look how cool this looks and like cool like what are your sales metrics well i don't know what, what do you mean you, you don't know right and it's like not everyone of course we have great partners don't get me wrong and there's people that are on top of their numbers and those are excellent partners and the rest of it but just examples of extremes and it's like well no you can't run that creative and i was like well why not and they're like well it's not not on brand i was like what is on brand and they're like well i don't know because they they don't know because they're building their brand and i'm like okay so what are we going to do and they're like, well, I'm like, here, I'll make 30 more creatives. Like, let me know if any of these work. And this conversation, it's like, where is that? Where? Why are you making these decisions? Like, is it data driven? Like, this is the goal. Like, everyone wants to drive sales, these three groups. Everyone wants to drive sales. But it's like, it's like the process to get to a single transaction or like, what is the data point? Like, for me, that is the difference between these three groups. Yeah. Is, is how, how are they, how and why are they making these decisions?
0: And then also, what are their expectations and their tolerance for risk? Like, I know one one of these big yes. companies that we're working with got, you know, was told from a, a more established agency, let's call them, that you know the the ROAS goals that we had in mind were utterly impossible, and and they had they had conditioned this advertiser to to accept like a very very low uh, yeah. ROAS goal, and. Yeah. And and I know we have other brands that come in with like insane incredibly high ROAS goals, where our ability to perform is really you know can be sh- can be shoehorned or whatever. So I'm just curious how we handle those conversations about return on ad spend goals. Because just to clarify, what Norcia mentioned earlier, our performance incentive is usually based on some sort of return on ad spend metric, where there is a percentage share of the of the return on ad spend that's agreed upon, which allows us to scale in a way where everyone's winning. But yeah. What's your question? My question is how do we handle the different ROAS expectations of clients? And if we want to track it to these three groups, do we have any anything to say about the different expectations, what the different groups can learn from each other about the ROAS goals?
1: A big part of that conversation is top line growth versus bottom line revenue, yeah. Right? Yeah. So the folks that are willing to take a lower return on ad spend to grow their brand, right? Like that is a share play people that want to improve their market share, that typically is what's going on. Folks that are just focused on profit who already believe that they have enough share of the market, they typically want bottom line, which is a higher ROAS, lower ad spend. Um, We do do get into those conversations relatively early. Um, I think an interesting thing here, just to go back to the convergence is, is that conversation about category growth versus category creation. And what we're seeing now with all these new spin up D2C brands is a lot of category creation. Uh, and so we have, a, we have a client who literally, uh, was not running any Google search ads because there was nobody searching for the product that they sold because it's brand new, right? That's a really cool opportunity to create an entire category mm. versus some of our other clients who are, you know, they're competing with some pretty big, other brands and we need to figure out other ways to, to sort of grow for them. And that's, that's cat, that's share of
0: category growth. So, um, and we can work on either term. You're saying, it's just a matter of clarifying what the intentions are.
2: Exactly.
0: The metrics, the the ROAS
2: percentage, the billing model, none of that matters, right? Like the only thing that matters for us is that our staff costs are, well, to be honest, like most of our retainers we lose money on because of the involvement in the staff. It's more, it's more about what is the joint upside and however those metrics come to be, be it the top line growth or the net growth, or maybe, maybe, maybe you don't even care about growth. Maybe you're going to pay us for six months just to, uh, just, just to like be on this journey and learn, learn how to do DTC, right? Like it, the model doesn't matter as long as the intention is growth <laughs> and we have clarity on both sides. And so regardless of which group you're in, it's just, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, everyone wants sales. It's just how are they deciding to get there? And that is the gap of knowledge where, where we happen to be in the middle of it, which is really exciting. And so we get to, we get to see how it's all working and you get to see these overlaps and these Venn diagrams. And it's funny because like, if you, these conversations, it's the same conversation every time it always falls into one of three of these types of people or businesses and Norcia, you could probably attest to this, like Megan also, in in, in how we deal with, with or or like Excel or like line with clients along along that journey. It is bucketed, I believe, pretty clearly in terms of those those three types of clients. Yeah. And just to just to also throw this out there, like we get to talk to so many
1: cool businesses. Right. Mm. Like we, because we are sort of the knowledge center of that venn diagram like Mm. a lot of the work that that you guys at ddc are doing eric and and the the tactical very actionable information that we're sharing about what we do as an agency um, people come to us and want to chat about how we can help them out and it's it's just this super broad very exciting mix of different businesses that we actually
3: get to chat with about how we can help them grow their
1: businesses yeah
3: Um, Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, too, like people are surprised how real we are. Like, I don't know if you've ever talked to anyone at a traditional marketing agency, but like our culture here is quite different. Like every person you talk to on the team is just a straight up real person. They just keep it real. And everyone's really ambitious and smart. And I feel like that's why people want to come to us for that information.
0: Dave our, our our other co-founder we were talking earlier he really thinks of this as a talent business and i and i know um you know with with a huge percentage of our our staff uh being local to 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 the to the island here where we live we we found this amazing talent pool we've got university students coming in and and i think the whole approach of bringing people in green and then indoctrinating them heavily into this pilot house way has has benefited uh by being able to you know really really create a lot of amazing homegrown talent and then go out and, and sign amazing free agents like norcia nice. uh
1: my 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 pops always says uh hire for attitude and train for skill uh, and i think that is very apropos because we do that a lot uh, it really is about the hustle it really is about you know. How can I add value? How can I help? How can I, you know, take something off your plate so that you have more time to do whatever it is? Right. And that's that's everyone in the agency.
0: Love it. Uh, if we wanted to finish off here I just want to like you know one of the things that we're doing we do really well with this podcast is put out like our intentions into the universe. I just want to like are there any brands out there that we haven't worked with yet that you just really want to hear this like clarion call? Nutella. Okay, we got we got Nutella Megan wants Nutella. So Nutella Craft if you're listening, we'd loved we'd love to bring you on here. Yeti. Oh, oh yeah. Yes, Yeti yes. Yeti was <laughs> Yeti's a brand that I that you yeah, know big big fans of
2: very very badly i would like to talk to them
1: about
2: yeah opinion. i love it and i'll uh, like also- sell some jordans like i would love to put some like some like some nike airs into a funnel so if you could reach out to, to nike that'd be good
0: Phil Knight, uh, I would love to, I love, i'm
2: love I in a toyota right now because i'm getting renos done and, and my office is is loud uh so if you can if you can get us
0: some promos for some for some toyota ads that would be cool And what are those sunglasses that I'd love to sell Toyotas on Facebook? Toyotas on Facebook. I love it. We want those badass sunglasses too. What are they called? We want, we want Pit Viper too.
3: Yeah. We want the big brands that are looking to get scrappy.
0: Maybe Liquid. Megan, I think that's such a really good point. And this is funny. I brought this up on the podcast before big brands willing to get scrappy. And, and, and we know of some, the biggest brands that are that are starting to find some really interesting ways to get scrappy in their, in their own organizations. Um, know i I was used part of used to be part of this internet forum back in the day with affiliate marketing performance marketing and I, i recently ran into the you know the head of growth at one of these one of the most exciting companies you know d2c companies out there and he recognized me from the forum and they had hired this guy who was a hardcore performance marketer to lead their growth and and that is the the convergence that that that's that's so fun to be a part of from from our side of things you know we were Promoting, uh, you know, all, all manner of things back in the day through the, through these affiliate marketing companies, and and the products have gotten better and better and better. The opportunity has gotten better and better and better, and the world has really warmed up to this idea of what performance marketing really is. And it's really fun to be to have created a, an educational hub I, I, in this world.
2: Yes, Eric, well said. Uh, I know I know you're closing out here, but one last thing. I mean, putting intentions out into the world. There are people I hope that are listening to this that work in organizations that can't make change or are trying to make change or know that there's a gap and they want to drop the gloves and they want to, they want to get shit done. Those are our kind of people. So if you're out there, come say hi. I'd love to chat. I know Norcia would too. And you get to meet Megan also through onboarding if, if we can get it on. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Let's, and let's maybe see you can what come on the podcast. Uh,
0: you might even, you might, yeah, you come on the podcast too. I, yeah, totally. So what do people got to do, Norcia? That's just PilotHouse.co. Fill out the form. Yeah, or just send me an email, Dan at PilotHouse.cl. I love it. Easy. Yeah,
3: we do have voice requirements to be on the podcast, though. You can't just have any old voice.
0: You've got to have. It's re, oh really? I didn't realize we we had a a voice timber yep. to check. You <laughs> yeah, have to be it's sitting. An in. Process, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> you need a Julian baritone to get on from Ooh, now on. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for coming on today. Dan, did you have any final words?
1: No, thanks, man. This has been fun.
0: Cool. Nice. Well, I hope it provided some value out there for D2C brands, looking for the best ways to integrate with with any agency out there. Um, and uh, yeah, everyone have a great weekend and uh, we'll see you guys all soon. Thanks, Eric. Bye. Peace. Bye.